this week, uh, as uh, as I was going through through uh, uh, Safeway, I was getting stuff. We had a staff Christmas party, and I wanted to buy. Uh, I, I made a roast, and it was delicious. I, I wouldn't say myself, it was good. Uh, as I was going through that and uh, just kind of observing the people around me, uh, stuff and. Uh, you know, I could see in one aisle there was a, this poor mom just looked frazzled. He had two little kids, and one of them wanted ice cream, and it was freezing out. And I'm thinking, what kind of kid? Poor, poor mom. You know, Sarah's like, I want ice cream. And she's like, no, I said no. And then behind me, there was a, a gal that was looking for a coupon, I think, and she drops her purse onto the ground, and then just kind of like, ah, right? And there was just tension, just tension. And I thought to myself, wow, wow, you know, we live in this world of just constant stress. I think it's so much we don't we just kind of ignored if we're not aware of it. And that passage, as it kind of popped into my mind as we uh, went through it, you know, for to us this son is born, this child is given. The government's on his shoulders, his name will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it gave me the opportunity to take a break from the chaos around me and remember the magnitude of the gift of Christ. It was an amazing thing. To add a moment just to remember that we've been called to so much more than, than this world that we're in. Right? And, and the God who, who came to us is so much bigger than this world. In fact, he says he's overcome it. I hope that that passage, I know, I know it's kind of silly, we sing it because lyrics and music help us retain things, but may the truth of God's word provide you peace. Uh, this season. It's just, uh, it's amazing the gift that God can give us. And speaking of that, we are going through the gifts of Christmas. I forgot my clicker. It's over here uh, today. But one of the, the verses that we have uh, today, actually, would you start my program? That would be, that would be helpful. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be talking about joy. And uh, today we lit the, the uh, candle of joy here on our Advent thing. Now, um, if you've come to us, maybe this is, your, you know, been away for a little bit and you've come back. We're going through Advent, and, and Advent just means the arrival. It's the coming. It means that we're going to uh, celebrate the arrival of someone, and, and that's Jesus, God with us, who came, who came. And it's, uh, it starts about four weeks before Christmas, and, and it gives us a time every week to, to remember what he's done. And there's some things in Advent that are symbols, and if we don't know what the symbols mean, then, they don't, then they're kind of pointless. But there's stuff that's part of this. One of it is this wreath. Uh, an Advent wreath is made of evergreen, and it's in a circle. And evergreen reminds us of eternal life, right? And that's what Christ came to bring for us. And the wreath is in the sign, a uh, symbol of that circle, which also, you know, forever, was, uh, it's not broken. It, it gives you that idea of eternity. But it's also a laurel. It's the idea of, of victory. Uh, in ancient times, when you won a championship, you didn't get a gold uh, medal. You got a laurel. And it reminds us that our God is the victor. He has overcome so we have this, this evergreen wreath, and on top of it we have these candles, and every week we light another candle reminding us that the uh, light who has come into this dark world. And, ev- and uh, on Christmas Eve we light the, the center candle, the Christ candle, the white one that reminds us that God himself has come, and it's uh, pretty powerful. Now, um, you'll notice that each of these candles have different colors. Purple was preparation. And it's a, series, it's a time of the year that we prepare ourselves, our hearts, not just for receiving the message of Christmas, what Christ has done, but also that he's coming again. And how we prepare ourselves for that. But today is a different day. Today we have a rose-colored candle. And instead of preparation, rose just stands for joy. 
In the middle of the season, you'll notice that the rose kind of happens there, right in the middle, right between the two purples and purples and the purple and the white at the end. happens right in the middle. It's a time of the season that we just stop and just remember what Christ has done. We take a week aside and we just set it aside for joy. And that's what we're here to do today. We're going to talk about joy. Joy is a, a, an amazing thing. Now, this season reminds me of this uh, wonderful song, these, uh, these uh, Christmas carols that we have, and uh, that one very famous one, Hakuna Matata, that you all know, right? Uh, if, as we sing for joy. And you could sing along with me. And there it says, uh, you know, Hakuna Matata, the Lord is come, right? That's, uh, everybody knows that, Right? And so that's, maybe that's not the way, it, um, by the way, if you don't know what Kuna Matata is, I apologize, that was from like a 90s cartoon uh, Disney did, uh, The Lion King, and uh, there was Simba and Puma and Tim, and, and uh, they, there's this phrase that they, they had there, Kuna Matata means no worries. It became their problem-free philosophy, which didn't work so very well for them. <laughs> now I think in our own life, though, sometimes that's what we think about this season, we think, oh, no worries, the Lord has come. Right? That's the expectation. We all want to have this wonderful Merry Christmas. And so we set this expectation that Jesus coming means that we're not going to have any worries. Of course, that's not reality. And when our expectations don't meet our reality, what happens? Discontentment, despair. Think about the first Christmas. Were there no worries? Was it, was it Hakuna Matata in that stable? Here you have these young parents, right? They're in a stable with a newborn. Not to mention they had a wicked king out trying to kill him. I mean, not so much a kuna matata. I think that's why I love this song. It's this joy to the world. Don't confuse the two. We have joy. Joy is not about not having worries. It's about something much bigger than that. See, the joy that we have in Christ, and what he brings us in Christmas, is, it's an abiding and it's a robust kind of joy. It's not the kind of joy that's very fragile, that's going to be taken away if everything in our life doesn't stack out perfectly. It's the kind of joy that doesn't have to stick its head in the sand. It's the kind of joy that can stay there and defend us in the middle of a crazy life. And so this season, we're going to talk about how we, how we, can, how we can accept this gift of joy that God brings to us in a spirit of honesty and a spirit of truth. Which is fantastic. So here's this wonderful gift of joy. It is the third gift that we have in Christmas we're going to unwrap. First thing we understand is joy is not a head game. It's not some kind of psychological mumbo-jumbo or whatever like that. It's not just something that we have when we feel it. Right? It's not just about changing our perspective or things like that. Joy is a gift. But it's also an invitation. In Psalm 96, uh, um, we read this. It says... Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all, that is, let all the trees in the forest sing for joy. Let all, all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. Let's look at all those wonderful verbs that are there. Rejoice, be glad, resound, which I love that one. I looked up resound, it's kind of like whoop it up. <laughs> right? I went to a Broncos game a couple weeks ago and... Uh, there was a time when, it was, when things were going bad. Of course, it didn't end awesome. But, <laughs> but there was a time in the game when we were behind, and all of a sudden, we weren't behind anymore. And there was, there was a little bit of resounding. So much so I couldn't talk the next day. It was awesome. Be jubilant. Think of this. Sing for joy. Rejoice. And why? What is the cause of all of this? 
Well, it's this simply, for he comes. We understand that, damn, that, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Here was a passage that was reminding us, was foretelling what the gift would be when Christ came. What would be the effect? And notice who this is for. Is it for some small select little area? No. For the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fields and and the trees. I mean, basically all of creation is what it says. There is a gift for us this year. It's a gift for everybody. The question is, is joy for you? And the question is, how do you receive it? Will you receive it? So today we're going to talk about how we go about receiving it. Now, the first thing we want to do in receiving joy is you have to anticipate it. Think about this, uh, on, on Christmas we have like, we put, a lot of families put up trees and they have all that kind of stuff and, and this and there's a day that's coming and there's going to be a gift exchange and you kind of get excited about it because you know that, that something's happening, right? There's an anticipation that is such a great part of this season. And understand that God wanted us to anticipate joy. He wrote that psalm a thousand years before he showed up. Think about this. God wants us to anticipate this joy. Now, have you ever waited for something so long that the anticipation wore off and you just gave up hope? Yeah. I think that's, that happens to us a lot of times, right? We, we have very short patiences right, as people. And we're not alone. The Israelites, they, they understood that as well. They, they had to wait a long time. There was a, actually, I was reading a story in preparation of this about uh, mail because I was sending cards out this week and I wondered, What's the longest it has taken a card to get from one person to another? And I found all kinds of cool stories, and I didn't check them on Snopes, so I don't know if they're true. (laughs) But one of them that I did read, which caught my eyes about a French woman, and she was in her 80s, and uh, she was in France, and she got a letter from her great-grandfather. Now do the math. She's in her 80s, probably delayed. And it... (laughs) See, the letter was mailed in 1877, 138 years it took it in post to get there. And it wasn't to her, it was actually, it was a letter for her grandma uh, on her behalf. It was written to, to some yarn manufacturer to order yarn for her grandma. And when that woman got that letter, she, it was like a, a, a little piece of history. She got to see her own great-grandfather's handwriting and all these types of things. And it brought her joy. <laughs> it was great. There was also one, though, I thought was a little more poignant. There was, um, uh, and actually this one I did check on Snopes because it was so powerful. I was like, did this really happen? Um, It was written by a father in India to his son in New York um, right after September 11, 2001. And uh, it it arrived in 2014 after that father had died. And it was written to his son uh, expressing concern over uh, the events that had happened to make sure that his son was safe. And uh, just a beautiful, um, a, a, a beautiful letter. And uh, basically in it he says, you know, son, I'm concerned about everything that has happened and you need to know that, uh, that you guys are loved and you're in our prayers and we care for you. And then the fact that it showed up after his father had died all those years later, actually the delay gave the letter even more power, right? The delay made it more meaningful. And I think we kind of have that in Christ. I mean, for thousands of years, the Israelites waited, didn't they? And there was this long delay. And they didn't just wait through easy times, did they? I mean, 
there was this time where they, they're supposed to have the promised land and then there's a famine. And so they go and live in Egypt and then they end up being, up being slaves. And that was fun, right? And so they wait and wait and wait and they get a deliverer and he brings them out and he brings them into this, the, you know, the promised land. And then they're waiting to, to conquer the land and then and they don't do it all right. So now they just don't have this, this peace and they're waiting for, for God to bring his Messiah. And then they... And they wait and wait and wait and the prophets keep speaking and the nation keeps going and their ups and downs and they have all this, they wait for a long time. And you know what happened is a lot of people gave up their hope. They just, they, they waited and they said, that's it. It's just can't, it must, we must have misunderstood God. He's not going to keep his word like we thought he would. He must be some more spiritual kind of, of thing that he's coming, but he's not. There were others that, that didn't give up, but they just kind of carried on with their life. They said, well, those are wonderful promise, promises of God, but they're not real for me right now, and so I'm just going to go on with my life. And, it was the, and they were distracted in their waiting. And in that, there was no joy in the promise. There was no anticipation for the Messiah. They just went about their everyday life. And, and the wonderful thing that God was going to do was disconnected from their life, and it did them no good. But there were others who waited, and they were watching actively waiting, anticipating the Messiah. Every day, saying, you know, maybe today. Maybe he'll come. Now we have an opportunity as we wait for Christ. We can wait and we can give up. I mean, Jesus said, I will come back. And he said that a while ago. And I feel that there's a lot of us that have, have go through life and there's this point of like, oh, well, he must mean something different because it's been 2,000 years and and there are others who say, okay, those are great promises, his return, but they have nothing to do with my life today. And so we become distracted by our, our lives. And, but there's another way of, of waiting with anticipation. And he's coming back, maybe today, which would be awesome. Knowing and having that promise become a real part of our life. You see, Active waiting is, is something that being anticipating what God is going to do reminds us that he's actually doing something. It gets us back into his plan for this universe. God keeps his promise. That's what Christmas reminds us of. He actually came to earth, like earth, like he promised. And he will actually come again. And because of that, because it's an objective truth, it can override my subjective feelings. I can have joy in Christ even when I don't feel like life is going the way I want it to. Because then ultimately, God has not given up on us. He's coming back. It helps me to anticipate the joy that's to come. I mean, God is coming back, and it's going to be fantastic. Right? And I think from that, it moves us from a point of discouragement to encouragement. Aren't you happy that God hasn't given up on you? Right? Isn't that fantastic? That he's got a plan, and we're part of it, and at just the right time, at just the right time, He'll return. And in the meantime, he's doing just the right things in us. You know, we're not the only ones in this. There was these, uh, these shepherds. They're a great example. And listen to their story that we find. And it says this. There is a shepherd in the fields. And the angel says, but don't, um, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. Look at this message that the angel brought to the shepherds. They were, first thing, afraid, discouraged. And I love that the angels, the first thing that they talk about is they address fear. Don't be afraid. This is good news. God coming is a great thing, especially for you. And they 
bring them that wonderful message. And the first thing that happens is they say, you don't have to have fear. God's not far from you. In fact, he's come. And then they move to the message of joy. This news is going to cause not just a little bit of joy, but a great amount of joy. Now, that's good to have that kind of message, but what was the result? How did, the, how did these, uh, these shepherds, how did they respond? Well, in verse 20, we find out. It says this, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The result of Christ's coming for these guys who started out in a place of fear, first they were just oblivious to God's plans, then he shows up and they're terrified. But then they see that Christ has come. And the evidence of Christ, this Prince of Peace, as they leave glorifying and praising God, filled with joy. That's what happens when we encounter Christ, when we encounter His presence, when we, when we experience the fulfillment of His promise. See, we know what's coming as Christians. We have, we have the book and we can cheat and read the end. Right? We find out what's there. And we can turn back in time and we can see the things that came before us and we know this, that joy has come. Right? And so we have joy in celebrating in this time of year that God keeps His word and the Messiah has come, that our sins have been forgiven, right? He's made a way for us, that our God is loving and merciful and He wants us, right? That, that all who believe in Him would not perish and have eternal life. We can celebrate. That's a reason to whip it up. But also we have joy in the return. That's joy in anticipation. That's saying if He came once, He's going to keep His promise. He's going he's to come again. Both are cause of great joy. See, God is with us and God is for us. And God is coming again. I mean, what other cause do you have? There's no reason for despair, no room for that in our lives anymore. It doesn't mean we don't have problems. It means that our God is bigger than them. This season, Advent season, we want it to be a season where we anticipate joy. Even if you're not experiencing, you know, a, a trouble-free life right now. We want to experience joy. So first thing we need to do is anticipate joy. After we anticipate joy, we need to recognize it when it comes, don't we? Well, that's an important thing. If you anticipate something and then you totally miss it, then it does you very little good. I love the story of the wise men and the star for this reason. Right? Uh, the, the Christmas star right, was something that was in the sky for everyone to see, but only this small group of people, who weren't even Jewish, by the way, or the ones who recognized it. Right? They're the ones that saw it. In fact, we read this in the story about their thing in, in the, um, Matthew 2. It says, once these wise, once they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And you know that word, overjoyed? I, I love this, because we say that. Think about this. Like, here's your capacity for joy. And it's like, bloop, 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 bloop. Oh no, full of joy. No, too much joy. Overjoyed. It's like the, the needle went into the red on the joy thing. When they saw it, they were like, looking into the skies. You know, one night, one night, they were like, hmm, look at that, that's interesting. What? No way! Like, <laughs> right? Overjoyed. So much joy. They packed their camels and their donkeys with all kinds of crazy stuff. And they said, let's go on a road trip. That's a lot of joy. Right? They traveled a long distance. They had to deal with Herod, Right? They brought costly gifts that were very expensive. And they went through all kinds of difficult things, but they persevered through the difficulties of the journey because of the joy they had. Because God has come. We know that Christ has come. 
there's a point in our life where, where it's not just like, oh yeah, He came, but He came! God is amazing, God is God. Look what He's done for us. We have to recognize the joy. That star was for everybody, right? But only if you were looking for it. At Christmas, the Messiah has come, and it's for everybody, but so many people fail to even look. There are so many other busy things in our life to look at. So many things, so many distractions this time of year especially that oftentimes we forget what God has done. He has come. God has come. You know, life doesn't always look like we want it to. I think we all agree. But you know this, that I think that one of the problems is we think that joy only comes when life is the way we think it ought to be. Right? And when we tie those things together, then we, we miss out on the joy that's already there. We fail, we fail to recognize it. Look at what James had to write here in his, his letter to the church. In, in chapter 1, it says this, Consider it pure joy. That's like as perfect of joy as you can have. Pure joy. What is pure joy, my brothers and sisters? When you face trials of many kinds. What? There's a wonderful because there. Why is it pure joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he goes on, that perseverance, faith, faithless. I mean, we have this, this wonderful God who was with us in the trials of life. That's why it's pure joy. We're not happy for the troubles. It's not pure joy because we live in a broken world and we suffer broken things. That's not the pure joy. The pure joy is that there's a purpose in it. And our God has already overcome this world. And so he's working in my pain. And he's doing great things. That's a reason for joy. Aren't you happy that the things that you suffer in this life actually make a difference? They have an effect. They are changing you from the inside out to become more like Christ so that you can have a better witness and a testimony. You can live a more full life so that you can live for things bigger than just the small pleasures of this tiny little speck in time. God is at work in you. That's why it's pure joy. There's a wonderful because. And that because started and was proven when there was a baby born in a manger who came and, and he lived amongst us and he lived a perfect life and he died on a cross for our sins to make peace between us and God, to pay the penalty for our sins. sins. There is a reason for joy. We have to look for it and recognize it. Because I'll tell you this, every one of our lives, there's a lot of things, there's troubles of many kinds, aren't there? Relationally, financial, health. Right? There's all kinds of problems that we suffer. But there's joy in this is that God is in them. He's working in them and He's overcoming them. And He's doing something great and He's proven that He can do it because He came once and He, he came in the flesh and He lived and He knows what it's like and He overcame this world. Pure joy. No, we recognize joy. When, we see, when you look into your life and you say, hey, I've got a problem, where is God? Because that's what I usually do and do and I have a trouble. Where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me in this? Have you been in there? Because that's typically my go-to. When trouble comes, I'm like, where are you? He's like, you know what? I work through the trouble. I overcome it and I redeem it. So I'm with you. That's where I am in this. There's a storm. Now you get to see me. Right? And so when I begin to recognize the joy that God hasn't abandoned us, He's proven He hasn't abandoned us, He's with us and He's working through it, I know He's doing something good, then I have an opportunity, then the third thing is to choose joy. I have to choose it. It's something I, I can't just, God's not going to force His joy upon me. Right? 
He doesn't do that. I mean, think about it. Christmas, do you ever force a present on someone? I mean, unless it's like fruitcake. Like fruit right? <laughs> you know, like, hey, here's a gift I gave you. I don't want it. Take it! <laughs> no. God's given us a gift, but we have to receive it. You can't conjure joy. You can try to conjure happiness, I suppose. You can try to limit the experiences and the exposure that you have in life and try to, so you can have some small amount of happiness or try to buy enough pleasure. But that doesn't produce joy. In fact, we find a lot of people who have what seems from a worldly perspective, everything, are oftentimes some of the most disappointed and depressed people. You can't conjure joy. Why? Because joy is a gift. It doesn't come from you. It comes from God. It's also a fruit. Uh, we, we choose joy. How do we do that? By choosing God. And we have a wonderful story that... that God gives us in Scripture that Christ talks about. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and we're going to talk about it in a second. But in that, I want you to set your mind to how joy works. And because we're getting on to the new year fairly soon, and people think about exercise in the new year and health, think of joy like this. Joy is, is, a, is something that comes like, um, like health comes. It's not like just a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a consciously choosing thing. It's a decision. Like you don't just wake up on January 1st and say, I'm going to have a diet and all of a sudden 20 pounds are gone. That's just not how it works, right? Or you're going to say, hey, I'm going to lower my cholesterol and I'm just going to will myself to lower cholesterol. Now you've got to have dietary change. You have to exercise, right? You've got to choose the right things. And if you choose the right things and you make that part of your life, then all of a sudden, guess what? Health, health just happens. It is the same way for the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. When we choose to abide in Christ, and we choose Him, and we choose to include Him into our life, and to live our lives that way, guess what happens? Joy. It's, it's the result of the habits of, of choosing God. That's where joy comes from. So if you're trying to just make yourself happy by just making yourself happy, you no wonder you're so frustrated. But God told us how we can find this, and I, and I love that. The first thing He says to choose joy is this, this attitude where you have to have gratitude in choosing joy. Uh, Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, that is really hard to say. Wake my tongue up. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Well, we're giving thankfulness. And there's lots of other passages that we could choose in Scripture. But there's this thing, we're not thankful for the troubles we have, we're thankful for the God that we have in our troubles. That's what we can be thankful for. And when he brings us many blessings, because God doesn't only allow us to have troubles, doesn't he allow us to have many blessings too? Can you see his fingerprints in your life, the good things that you have? Are we taking them for granted, or are we saying, God, thank you? See, we can rejoice always. There's a lot of reason for, for rejoicing. Even when we don't feel joyful, we can always give thanks. Can't we? We can choose that attitude. It's helpful for us, and I know this is cliche, but to, make, to name our blessings. Oftentimes, we forget to do that. And uh, I've been part of this coaching network for pastors, and one of the things that they said to really avoid burnout is one of the things that you do is every month go down and list where you've seen God at work. Thank Him for it. It is phenomenal how God is at work in you guys. What a great joy that is for me. You know, when we begin to to have and foster a heart of gratitude, our, our complaints are replaced with contentedness. 
Isn't it amazing when we begin to be thankful for, for the things that God has done, all of a sudden we have this level of contentedness that overcomes my life and these needs and these desires, these troubles that I think that I've just got to have these addressed, they become way less important. And that's one of the coolest things when I take kids on the missions trips, uh, like the teenagers when we would go down to Mexico or, or Costa Rica or whatever, when we go to these, these areas, and when you leave, you know, what they would be talking about oftentimes are things like, you know, um, if they have any complaints about their life or how their parents do things like, I want to have this toy, or I wish I could have these clothes or this friend, right? These are the things in their mind. And when they come back, you know, when they come back into the States, they're like, man, I am so grateful for a flush toilet. That is awesome, right? Hot water, are you kidding me? Fantastic. Hamburgers? Truly, I believe there'll be hamburgers in heaven, right? It's a gift of God. They're wonderful, Right? You have people, they come back and they're changed because they realize there's a level of contentedness in their life. It happens with us. We begin to choose joy, one of the habits of choosing gratitude. Rejoice always. Make it a habit. The next thing is obedience. Nobody likes obedience except for it works. We want our lives to go well. And we're not just obeying just like some crazy ideas of people. We get to obey God who actually knows what he's talking about. And so uh, John... 510, he says this, 15, John 15 to 10, it says this, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, why? So that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. That's where he's talking about this whole idea of the vine and the branches. He's giving the disciples a secret to a joy-filled life. life. And it wasn't this. He didn't tell his disciples, go and become very successful. Right? Go and, and make all the right decisions and you're not going to have any problems, no worries. Then you'll have joy. Now he said this, remain in me as I remain in the Father. Right? And keep my commands, by the way, if you want to remain in me. Do what I tell you to do, right? So joy is not a reward, but it is a result. When we do what is right, things go better for us. Think about those of you who are parents. When you want your kids, you, you tell them what to do, not so that you can just tell them what to do, but you're trying to help them have a better life, aren't you? So, so you teach them, hey, say please and thank you, right? You teach them you know, to, to use good words and to be kind to other people, not because it gives you a power trip, because you want them to have a better life. And when they obey you in these things, their lives go better. They're the ones that get the benefit. God has given us a way we, to say, listen, here's a better way of living. And it's not your way of living, and that's why it works. Right? If, if your way worked so well, you wouldn't be here. But he's given us a better way. But we have to know we actually have to do it. So obedience is not a bad concept. It's actually a beautiful thing. It's an opportunity to step outside of ourselves and start doing what works. It's just kind of great intelligence. And when we begin to obey God in our life, when we begin to say, God, your way, not mine, that's when we call him Lord, right? That's the whole idea of Christians call it repentance since, and, and all that. When we just begin saying, okay, God, you know how the world works, so I'm going to start living it your way. Guess what? Less problems. Joy. It's a great thing. Another thing that we need to do is abide. Abiding, uh, John 15, uh, again, earlier on, when he says this, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding means to be living in, right? To just, like, you abide in your home. That's where you hang out. That's your space. 
Jesus said, I'm the vine, the branches. You just rest in me, right? Stay connected to me. And what happens? He says, if you do that, you're going to bear fruit. You know the fruits of the Spirit? One of them is joy. Right? That's a great thing. See, apart, apart from Christ, you're not going to do anything. You're going to have a lot of joy in your life apart from Christ. Good luck. It's not something you can manufacture, but it is something that God can grow in you. But you've got to stay connected to God. This is a wonderful time of year where we can, we can grow in Christ and connect with Him again. Remember that God didn't just say, hey, come up here and, and identify with me. No, He came down to earth. He says, I can identify with you. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have you know, relational issues and financial issues and health issues. I know what it's like. We can go to Him. He understands us. And he can help us. That's a great thing. When we begin to abide in Christ and we begin to have this life that is filled with his presence and, and he's included in my life, this is what it looks like. It's not some mystical thing. It's just in my every day-to-day life saying, okay, Christ, <laughs> how do I do this? I'm going to go get through this thing or thank you that you're here with me. It's that conversation. It's the reality of knowing that God is with us. And when I begin to live my life, I say, God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes in his word, he helps me with those things. Sometimes he brings good counselors along that, that help explain his word to me in a better way. <laughs> and I understand sometimes he just... But when I begin to just say, God, I'm going to do... I'm gonna, I want to live my life according to your wisdom and your way. I'm going to live my life like you're part of my life. It's amazing how slowly, subtly, joy begins to grow and to grow in my life. Not a type of joy that's just there when things are good, but it's a type of joy that overcomes the bad. When the bad comes, I remember God is at work in this. It's powerful. So we don't just have to know the way, but we actually have to live it. So, summer with this wonderful gift of joy, I think in Christ we can anticipate joy. We need to recognize joy when it comes, and then we need to choose it. And if we can do that, then it's a gift that we can have. Now, how do you unwrap that gift? Right? It's great to have a gift, but you want to unwrap it? I've got some ideas. So if you take out that wonderful connection card that we put together for you. i got mine back here. Here are some things that you can do to unwrap joy. And first thing, so this week I commit to, the first thing you can do is read the, the Christmas story. Now, Advent is four weeks, and uh, guess what? There are four Gospels, so there's four Christmas stories. So every week we're reading a different one. So one of the ways that you can uh, begin is to, to recognize what joy is or to anticipate is just by reading the Christmas story. And this week is the very most probably famous, uh, well-known of the, of the uh, Christmas stories in the Gospels. It's Luke chapters 1 through 3. I encourage you to read it this week. Read it as a family. It's, it's phenomenal. Read what it was like when God actually came into this world. What was it like? That's a great thing. That's the first thing you can do. The next thing you want to do is anticipate joy. And so uh, some things that you can do to anticipate joy. How about this? How about you would ce- uh, celebrate and anticipate Christ this Christmas season? Right? In the midst of all the other things that are going on, take time to say, God, thank you for coming. Think about your own life. What is he doing in, in, in your own life? And what will it mean when he comes again? Right? What does it mean that the fact that he's actually using your troubles for great gain in the kingdom and your good? Right? Anticipate it. Know that God is coming and he's coming again. Next thing that you might want to do is recognize joy. That's a great thing that you can do. And a way that you can do that this week maybe is to trust God's promises and his purposes. 
Go in and say it to his word and say, okay, God, you came. You kept your word 300 times that you prophesied that you were coming and you came. I can think that you've, you're, you keep your word. What are other things that you tell us? What are these promises? How about this? Like in all things, that God's working them for the good for those who, those who love him are called according to his purpose. That's a great promise. How about this? It says that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a great promise. You know, how about another one? He says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. That's a great promise. Maybe this week as we, we recognize joy, we see God in our life and we say, thank you. And we, we trust in those promises even when they're hard to feel like they've been completed. How about this? The last thing we could do is choose joy this week. And it's something you could do here. How about this? You can give thanks. And that's a great place to start. Choosing joy, it's starting building those, those great habits. So go with gratitude. Start with that. This week, say, you know what? I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to start to be thankful for what God is doing. How about this? How about this? Maybe for you this week, it's about obedience. You know there are things in your life that God would want. And those are things that you're not having in your life. And maybe this week, as you say, God, I'm going to surrender my will to yours. And I'm going to start trusting you. Build that habit. It's like you're getting on a good diet, right? Or starting the exercise program. It's going to be tough at first, but eventually it'll become part of your life. And the result, joy. Or how about this? Maybe it's you as just abiding. Maybe you're just exhausted. You're overwhelmed. The season just like, oh, it's crazy. Is this. Just include Christ in your life. Remember that he's with you. Like, I'm, I'm not leaving you, God, and I know you're not leaving me. So walk with me through this time. Abide in Christ. So give thanks, obey, and abide. And see what God does. Now, in a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, I want you to take these, these connection cards. And I want you to put them into the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts. And uh, that will be a great thing. If you have a prayer request, please write it down. Uh, it's wonderful for me to be able to lift you in prayer every week. There's others if you want the prayer team or the rest of the body or whatever to pray for you. Let us know. And we'll be praying for you this week. And as that basket is passed, take this connection card, put it in there, and uh, let us hold you in prayer. Now, before we pray for the offering, let me, let me just leave you with this benediction from Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful gift of Christ. Thank you for the fact that he came and he loves us, and because he loves us, we have the reason for great, great joy. And as a church, as a congregation, help us to be uh, the type of people that, that will be able to anticipate the joy to come. Well, we know that Christ is returning and, and uh, it's going to be a great and wonderful day when that happens. When all of, of, of those that we've been separated from, there will be a, a great reunion. Uh, when all the brokenness of this world will end, when the corruption will stop, when the pain will have been when obliterated, Father, when there will be health and life and peace. When you overcome the brokenness as far as the curse is found, uh, we look forward to that day. So help us to live in such a way that we, we're not just knowing that that's in the sweet, sweet by and by, but Lord, you said you will come quickly. And maybe today, who knows? But help us live with anticipation for your coming. May that change the way that we see our lives in this world, knowing that you're very clear and present. But Father, as we anticipate joy, Lord, help us to recognize it. Let us see your hand in our life, your fingerprints and, and our day-to-day activities, Father. Let us recognize what you have done and are doing in our life. That you are active in this world. 
Let us see your presence. And Father, help us to choose joy. When you offer it in our world, Father, when the troubles and difficulties and the pains of this life uh, seem uh, so loud, Lord, let us choose the joy that you give us in Christ and not despair, not discouragement. And Father, let us, be, let us be people that are grateful. Father, let us, let us be those that, that obey your word. Father, let us be those that abide, abide with you. God, as we make these connections, these commitments today, help us to keep them. Father, not as just as a way of just following rules, but Father, that a way of, of living with you according to your ways. Change us from the inside out. May you grow the fruit of joy in our lives as this church. And I pray that the joy that is in us will be a testimony to our community. Father, that you are real. And so, Father, uh, take these commitments, these offerings as, as a gift of ours to you. And bless them. And Father, I also pray for our tithes and our offerings as well. Thank you for being part of our life, for always taking care of our needs. May you invest these, and may we invest them wisely into your purposes to build your kingdom for your glory. We ask in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.